All right. Want to go ahead and read for us? Yes, I have the thing here, and I will read it. Just off the northern shore of Hades Barrier Islands, there's a stunning coral reef. Divers, even those at the beginner level, paddled 10 or 20 feet down through the crystal clear water to see the living coral and its accompanying sea life. If you keep an eye out for sea snails and parrotfish, the reef is perfectly safe. In places, it rises nearly to the surface of the sea. There's only one odd feature, a long, shallow groove that runs in a straight, broad line towards the shore. On closer inspection, this groove isn't some naturally occurring coral formation. It's a trench made by the bronze-clad hull of a ship scraping over the reef some 140 years ago. Indeed, at the shallow end of the trench are the remains of the ship itself. If our diver peers closely enough into the coral formations, they might see the last of it, a mossy wooden timber here, a corroded bronze spike there. The rest of the shipwreck has been buried under coral, or was eaten away long ago by the sea life and the relentless motion of the water. Scientific testing can tell us that this timber was made from wood grown in Nova Scotia, and the bronze fittings are the type used on sailing ships of the 1860s. Local court records can tell us that only one ship has ever wrecked on this exceptionally well-charted and shallow reef, the American brigantine Mary Celeste, an unremarkable workhorse who crossed the Caribbean and Indian Oceans for much of her career, packed with timber, coal, sugar, and fruit. The Mary Celeste's career ended here, on this colorful coral reef off the coast of Haiti. But a dozen years earlier, in a colder and darker ocean, she was involved in an incident so strange it's still being investigated today. On this episode of Relative Disasters, the mid-voyage abandonment of the brigantine Mary Celeste. Excellent work, Greg. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Welcome to Relative Disasters, the show where my brother and I manage our existential dread by talking about terrible and interesting historical events, their context, implications, and any related sidebars we feel like discussing. I'm Ella, the Marine Salvage Surveyor of Relative Disasters Cruise Lines. And I'm her brother Greg, President of the Maritime Insurance Branch here at Relative Disasters and Associates Legal Firm. Congratulations on passing the bar. Oh, yes, yes. Well... <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the bars usually set a little low. <laughs> the bar is in hell and Satan just tripped Satan's around. tripping on it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for that excellent reading. Oh, well, we should begin our uh, exploration into the mystery of the Mary Celeste by citing our primary sources for this episode, which are... <laughs> Not Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, we'll get I'm to sorry. that point. Oh, we'll you just made my blood pressure shoot up. <laughs> <clears throat> happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Uh, happy thoughts. This is something I wrote mostly from articles because I could not okay. find a good book. I read um, Brian Fremantle's book on Mary Celeste, but it turned out to be really heavily like embroidered. No, I decided not to fun. trust it. Uh, sure. So there's a Smithsonian article called Abandoned Ship. There is... An All That's Interesting article called Mary Celeste, What Actually Happened Aboard the Notorious Ghost Ship. Okay. And uh, MaryCeleste.net has some primary documents, which is really interesting. Cool. Not that I can read that handwriting very easily. Yeah. 
Yeah. 1860s handwriting is an acquired taste. <laughs> it's a skill set for sure. Uh, so, Greg, do you believe in? Do you believe that ships can be cursed? Uh, no, but I believe that human behavior can lead to curse-like occurrences. I think. Oh, that's such a weasel answer. No, I mean, like, if you go around believing that you know black cats are unlucky. If a black cat walks in front of you one day, you're going to spend the rest of your day on edge and, like, freaking out about every little thing and probably blaming the occurrences of your day mm-hmm. on the black cat. Which is unfair. Which is unfair to the cat and to you because, come on, you can do better. Probably doesn't bother the cat now that I think about it. No, I mean, the cat does not care. <laughs> so you're not superstitious at all. I'm not superstitious, no. I, I have, like... I have enough anxieties without inventing more, I think is a good way to look at it. Do you believe in bad vibes? <laughs> I Not not really, no. I think that things just kind of happen. I'm sorry, I'm not being any help right now. You're making my... this really difficult, co-host. <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in ghosts? No! I'm sorry. Oh, please. There's so much going on in this world that we do not understand, that we will not understand for hundreds of thousands of years if we ever even evolve past this point. I, mean, uh, sure. I think you got to keep an open mind, Greg. Sure. Sure. Mary Celeste is definitely a ship with bad vibes if she was okay. not actually cursed. I'd, I'd go along with that. There, there's can, we, definitely... can we shake hands on that one? Yeah. That's <laughs> okay. definitely, that's definitely, uh, it was a weird ship. Yep. Let me give you the history. Please. The Mary Celeste was a merchant brigantine built in 1861 and wrecked in 1885. So she was only around for 24 years. Right. Uh, She's built in Spencer's Island, Nova Scotia, and she's registered under the name Amazon. That's her first original OG name. Okay. Uh, She is launched. She's sold first, obviously, and then she is loaded up and launched. She's going to carry some lumber across the Atlantic to London. Okay. This is her maiden voyage, right? Yeah. Her captain gets sick and dies. Like when they're a week offshore, they have to come back and I guess put him ashore. I mean, wow. Okay. It's not lucky, right? No. This is not black cat level of bad luck. This is (laughs) pretty serious. Okay. On her second voyage, she's just off the coast of Maine when she gets stuck in fishing nets and fishing tackle. I don't know how you would do this as a ship. The nets are underwater, correct? I mean, I I don't know how you would get tangled up in fishing nets if you're a boat. Maybe there were just a lot of fishing nets. Like, like, have you ever gone down your basement steps and hit, like, cobwebs and been like, ah, you know, they get all over you? No, my basement is pristine. I don't know what that feels like. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, other people may may have that experience. And uh, and I imagine that would be like what boats and fishing nets are kind of like. Yeah, it's probably not a pleasant feeling to be sailing along and then stop Correct. suddenly. <laughs> anyway, she has to stop for like a day and a half to get untangled. This is not oh, wow. cobwebs. Yeah. Uh, in uh, Oh, sorry. On the other side of that voyage... So as she's delivering her coal, she hits and sinks a merchant vessel. So she hits and sinks another brigantine uh, right in the English Channel. Yep. It's not a a good look. No, I think if I was a sailor, (laughs) this is the point where I would pack my little bag and find another ship to sail on. Yeah, this is is not... uh, 
We're not we're so, not off to a good start here. No, not at all. Uh, in 1867, at the age of six years old, she was wrecked in a storm off Cape Breton Island and just left there. Eventually, she Jeez. gets sold as a derelict. Yeah. Okay. Another crew that just, like, packed their bags and walked away. That's it. We can't do this. Sure. Uh, people do love their fixer-uppers, though. I don't know if you've yep. ever noticed that. So she was eventually sold. <laughs> to, to ship flippers? <laughs> exactly. You're laughing, but that's exactly what happened. I'm sure it was. She was sold to an American mariner who renamed her Mary okay. Celeste, which is also okay. something you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to give a ship a woman's name, right? No, you're not supposed to rename it once it's been named. It oh, had a perfectly good oh. name. The Amazon. Right. He probably had okay. a girlfriend or something. I could not find anything on why on the why? ship ended up. Okay. He was that was going to be my follow-up question. <laughs> that was my yeah, yeah. theory. Was just, but, sweetie, I named a boat after you. <laughs> Please don't leave. <laughs> God. Uh, she would have walked out, too, because he goes bankrupt uh, yeah. on his ship flip. I mean, I'm not, I'm not super surprised. These things were expensive. Yes. Uh, after that, she was bought by an American consortium and completely refitted for larger loads. They did something like double the amount of space that she had for cargo and added okay. a deck. Okay, so we get into kind of a ship of Theseus argument here. Is she still the same ship she was if she's been completely refitted? Well, Greg, you know? she's still trailing that curse around, so I say she's the same ship. Fair enough. Because her luck does not improve. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> All right, all right, what happens next? So one of the things this new consortium of owners wanted to do was shift from the West Indies trade, where she had been carrying molasses and sugar and spices. Uh, they want to okay. shift to European ports, so they want to do the transatlantic route. Okay, because, I mean, why not? She's done so well on the coastal stuff. Absolutely, and what could possibly <laughs> go wrong in incredibly deep water full of icebergs and sea monsters? That's what I say. <laughs> So her first voyage under this new ownership was to carry 1,701 barrels of alcohol okay. from New York to Genoa, Italy. So this cargo was loaded without any problems, but the exporting company, which was called American Alcohol. Very creatively named. Very creatively named. They were a little short on barrels. Now, this is a thrifty okay. company. They don't, they don't want to waste anything. Okay. Right? They don't oh, want to leave any empty space in the cargo hold. They want to jam oh, no. all the barrels in there. So at this time, barrels for transporting liquid were generally made out of white pine, which is fairly dense. It's a yep. heavier wood, and it has small pores if you look at it under a microscope. If you make a barrel out of red pine, it generally yeah. couldn't be used for liquids. You'd use it for something like flour or, I don't know, spices. Okay. Okay. Uh, because it is... A lighter wood, it has larger pores, which okay. translates so just into a, a leakier barrel. Yep. Very good. Okay. Okay. Uh, for some reason, the Mary Celeste was loaded with 1,692 white pine barrels and nine yep. red pine barrels, all full of alcohol. And this is industrial alcohol. This isn't drinking alcohol. Okay. <laughs> I tried so hard to pin down... Exactly what kind of alcohol is in these barrels. And I couldn't do it. One source said it is um, okay. uh, distilled alcohol. Okay, okay. One source calls it, quote unquote, industrial alcohol. 
Hmm. One source says that it's like a super high concentration alcohol that you would use to like increase the alcohol content of a fortified wine. Okay. I could not find out what kind of alcohol it is. And it was definitely going to be used in an industrial setting once it got to Genoa. It was not fancy alcohol. If you're thinking of like casks of brandy, that's not what this was. No, no. I'm thinking more like casks of Mad Dog 2020. No, because you could drink (laughs) Mad Dog 20 without going blind. I don't think that would work with this one. Not with that attitude. (laughs) All right. Not with that liver. (laughs) Not with that liver. Okay. There's a lot of disagreement about exactly which kind, so we're just going to call it mystery poison alcohol. Mystery alcohol. Mystery poison alcohol. Are you okay with that? Mystery poison alcohol. I'm good with that. You've done the research. I'll back on this. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, This alcohol cargo is worth $36,861. Whoa. Okay. So that's what? I don't know. A couple million? No. It's a couple hundred thousand, maybe. All you have to know is that she's she's um, carrying a cargo that's worth thirty six thousand dollars, but she is insured for a total of fourteen thousand dollars. Uh oh, that's now one of those numbers is much bigger than the other. Just keep that in your mind. That (laughs) just keep that in your mind. Okay. Oh no. So she's all loaded up. The captain on this voyage is Mister Benjamin Briggs of Massachusetts. Yep. Yep. So he's in his late 30s, he's very experienced, and he's also a part owner of the ship. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he's got got some skin in the game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, this is his first investment in a a sailing vessel, and he's responsible for this trip. Okay. So he doesn't stand to make a ton of money if this goes well, but he's going to, you know, he's going to be in the black. Yeah. That's what he's counting on. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, Greg, we talk a lot about, like, idiots and slime balls, who are oh, no. major characters in our episodes. Okay. Captain Briggs is outside of that spectrum, Yay. if you will. He's very, very he's, respectable. He's got, like, he's got the alliterative, like, early Marvel Comics name. You know, like, you know you he's got a him. very square jaw. I can see him in okay. any Marvel comic. Yep. So I was, I was secretly hoping that he would be, you know, not scum. So this is a nice change. Thank he's you. He's not. And actually, a lot after this incident happens, people are trying to, like, cast aspersions on his character. Nobody ever comes up with anything bad that he's done in his entire life. And he's 37 years old. Okay, good. That's good. That, I think, speaks to something. (laughs) I'm not sure what. He's just very, very respectable. Good. Right? He doesn't drink. He goes to church. He's a very hard worker. He's very smart. And by all accounts, he also adores his family. Why did you say that so ominously? A little foreshadowing for you. Uh, I don't like it. Okay. In fact, he enjoys his wife's company so much that he frequently invites her along on his sailing trips. I mean, if you're going to be away for months at a time. Sure. Why not? Sure. Uh, But imagine being stuck on board a ship with someone you didn't really like. (laughs) Yeah, that would suck. The flip side of that coin would be pretty awful. (laughs) Um, So he's already taken her and their son, Arthur, to Europe on work trips several times. Okay. And on this voyage, he's bringing her and their daughter, Sophia, who is two. Aw. Yeah, she's a cutie. Wait, no, but this ends badly, doesn't it? No, don't do that. Okay. 
Hey. Sorry, spoilers. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, little <clears throat> Arthur is staying behind with his grandparents in Massachusetts because this is November okay. and he has to be in school. He's seven years old at this time. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, a lot of attention in this story is centered around the captain and his family, but the rest of the crew is a really interesting mix. Okay. Just going to give you broad strokes here. I love it. The first mate, Albert Richardson, has sailed with Briggs before, and he's kind of a protege. So he's in his late 20s, and Briggs sees him as good captain material. So he has a lot of okay. responsibility. Then we have a second mate, Andrew Gilling, who has just earned his certificate to be a first mate, even though he's second on this trip. Sure. So smart, capable. The cook, Edward William Head, is, I think, one of the youngest people aboard, except for the baby. He's 23. Okay. And... These guys are all American. The general seamen okay. are all German, and they're all from the same part of Germany, the Wadden Sea Islands and the North Sea. Okay. Their names are Arian Martens, Gottlieb Gottschall, and Volkert and Boy Lorenzen, and those are brothers. And they're all in their 20s and 30s. They're all English-speaking and very experienced. This is going to come up again, but nobody on this ship has any kind of shady history hmm. they all seem okay. like regular hard workers with a lot okay. of experience and decent people uh the crew's character comes into question a lot during the trial but i think it's safe to say that briggs would not have hired them if they weren't pretty solid people who are going to be both capable and like okay around his wife and baby <laughs> like yeah yeah that that would be he seems like a sensible person <laughs> he's not going to yeah. hire any creeps and we're off on November okay. 6th, 1872, the Mary Celeste sets off from New York Harbor. So the plan is to go to Italy with alcohol and come back with fruit. And they're going to be gone about two months. Okay. That's the ship's log. No, well, you know, actually that sounds horrible. But <laughs> I mean, okay, fair enough. They're not in the North Atlantic. Yeah, okay, good. But it is going to be cold and miserable. Sure. Right, the ship's log mentions rough seas and high winds pretty much nonstop over the third week of November. And mm. somewhere within that week, Briggs realizes they are way off course. Uh-oh, what? They have a chronometer on the ship, and it has stopped working. Oh, that's real bad news. Yep, okay. and the bad weather okay. has blown them about 120 miles off course. So when he realizes this, Briggs changes course to the Santa Maria Islands in the Azores, which is a tiny clump of islands way out in the Atlantic. Yep. Okay. He doesn't say so in the log, but he probably wanted to wait out some of the bad weather and get the chronometer fixed. Okay. Don't you think? Does that make sense? That seems sensible, yeah. That's me if jumping got, to like, conclusions. A major navigation device broken and the weather sucks, yeah. You know. Right? He's carrying alcohol. It's not going to spoil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is that. It's all good. <laughs> if it was on the way back, he'd have to worry about the fruit. But on the way right. back, no, he's good. He's right. good. So this note about the course change is the very last entry in the ship's log. And it's dated November 25th, 8 o'clock in the morning. On December 4th, a Canadian brigantine called the De Gratia spots the Mary Celeste floundering around between the Azores and the coast of Portugal. So she's way east of where the logbook would put her, but okay. also they're very far off course. Yeah. And nobody knows how accurate the log really is. Okay. So the crew of the De Gratia can see from a distance that something is really wrong. So she's under sail, 
but she's short sailed. So the only sails that are intact and are kind of pushing her around are the jibs, those short triangular sails at the very front of the ship, which of course is all wrong for the weather. So some of the sails are also damaged. She like had more sails up at one point, but they've been kind of ripped apart by the wind and they're, they're flapping around. Okay. She's also trailing rigging the ropes on the ship, including the main halyard, which is the strongest rope on the ship. Did you know that? It's the biggest Uh and strongest rope. This one was about three inches thick. This is a huge, this is like the kind of rope you would use to secure a ship to a dock. Yeah. So it's no joke that like, this is not cosmetic stuff. Yeah. This is ship in danger. Yeah. Right. So the crew of the Dick Gratia can see, you know, almost immediately that she is something bad has happened. Okay. So they go aboard and find nobody. There are 10 people who are supposed to be on board. There's no note. There's no obvious sign of violence or an accident. There's just no one there. Okay. But at the same time, it wasn't like they just like raptured off the ship because the Mary Celeste has clearly been through something. There's a few inches of water in the hold. Uh, Things are in disarray. Stuff is strewn around. There's a pump that's been like opened up and disassembled. Hmm. Uh, and also a lot of the navigational instruments are missing along with the lifeboat. Okay. So she had an 18 foot yawl, which I had to yep. look this up to, <laughs> which is like a long dinghy that you can put a mast in <clears throat> and it has a little yeah. sail. I think we ran into one of those with the, uh, the, the horrible mutiny shipwreck set up his own. Yeah, they had yawls. You're right. They had yawls, right. yeah. Uh, They also find the ship's log, and they realize that the last entry was nine days ago and charts the Mary Celeste position as 400 miles west of where they are now. Oof. Yeah. You're not supposed to be able to put a boat (laughs) in the ocean and have it float 400 miles in nine days. days, Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So, that's a little weird. The De Gratia crew decides to salvage the Mary Celeste. Okay. And they can just they can just do that, right? Like they have the right of salvage in this case because it's abandoned property or something. It gets very fuzzy. The, okay. The crew of the Degratia is not like committing piracy here. Okay. There is a law that says whatever you find floating in the open ocean, if you return that, you can expect a reward. Okay. There are all kinds of laws and regulations. Salvage law particularly applies to recovery after a shipwreck or other accident, where if you come across someone's like sinking ship, you're entitled to a percentage of the value of whatever you're able to bring back safely to the harbor. Because the insurers and the owners want their stuff back, obviously. Right, right. And they'll negotiate with the court to make sure that you get some of the payout. Okay. So in this case, the De Gratia crew are expecting that if they take the Mary Celeste to Genoa, they will get a reward for delivering the cargo safely to the buyer. Okay. So they pump out the water because she's got like a couple feet of water in the hold. That's not good. Not okay. good. Not good. Uh, they fix the sails and they find out that the Mary Celeste is perfectly seaworthy. There's no oh. damage whatsoever except for those few things that we talked about that can right. easily be fixed or replaced. Okay. She's actually almost the same size as the De Gratia. Okay. So she's too big to tow. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to split into two skeleton crews, one for each ship. So that means that four people are operating each ship, which is incredibly dangerous. 
Yeah. Don't do it, beloved listeners. Yeah. Don't do you, it. You, you can do it, but it's not a great plan. It's not. They were hoping for a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. They all sail together to Gibraltar, where they prepare for what they think will be a straightforward salvage hearing on the high court there, and they can collect their money and head on to Genoa with both ships. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that is not what happens. So the case comes across the desk of the Attorney General of Gibraltar. His name is Frederick Sully Flood. That's that's a good pirate name. He's it's a be, great pirate a, name, and he's, he's in the wasted wrong, on, yeah, he's in the, wrong, he's <laughs> on in the, the wrong high business. court. Um, I think I said before that most of our key players on this yeah. podcast are idiots or slimeballs. Yeah. Sully Flood is definitely on the idiot end of the spectrum, but I have okay. to acknowledge that when I read about him, I recognized some of my own problematic qualities, namely a very <laughs> no. overactive imagination and a tendency to jump to the most sordid conclusions. Uh-huh. Yeah. As a okay. professional podcaster, this does not really hinder me in any way. <laughs> um, but Sully Flood is not a professional podcaster. You can see where those same qualities would be problematic in... A lawyer. A judge. Yeah. Or a judge, yeah. Okay. okay. Or even an attorney general. Mm. So Sully Flood looks at the report of the Mary Celeste condition, and he and his imagination do exactly what I would do and immediately see signs of mutiny, <sighs> piracy, and fraud. Okay. Sure. Why not? He reports to the Board of Trade that the sailors obviously got drunk off the alcohol in the cargo, murdered uh -huh. the captain and his family... And then uh -huh. either fled in the lifeboat or were murdered by the crew of the De Gratia for the salvage money. Uh-huh. I mean, that's where my mind goes. Right. I, so That is so weird. My, I can't hold it against him. My did not go there. <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of, you know, accident of some kind. But okay, okay, so. Now he's going to present evidence. So his evidence is a supposed blood stain on the deck. Okay. Nine empty barrels in the cargo hold. Ah, there's that special mm -hmm. number again. And the improbability of an empty ship ending up where it did. Okay. So, we'll just uh, leave that there for the moment. So at this point, another part owner of the ship and a friend of the Briggs family, James Winchester, arrives and immediately picks apart Sully Flood's theories, which probably uh -huh. really offended him. He testifies that the sailors were experienced and of good character, all with families and community ties, and none had ever been involved in any trouble. Furthermore, he testifies that the alcohol on board, whatever it was, was not drinkable. Yep. Okay. Since this is an American ship, the American Council in Gibraltar weighs in with his own report, which finds that the blood stain is a rust stain. Okay. Yeah. So in other words, they believe the story presented by the De Gratia captain, that the Mary Celeste was abandoned for unknown reasons. The claim that Sully Flood makes of fraud also isn't supported because, as we mentioned before, the cargo and the ship were actually pretty badly underinsured. Right. So the salvage claim is ultimately settled for 1,700 pounds, which is a really low figure if you consider the difficulty yeah. and the danger involved in bringing Mary Celeste safely to Gibraltar, um, plus the additional stress of being accused of murder and conspiracy. But the De Gratia crew does get paid, and the Mary Celeste is released to go on and deliver her cargo to Genoa. 
So there, they find that the cargo is completely intact, except for those nine empty barrels. And then in a shocking coincidence, the nine empty barrels, Greg, are discovered to be the ones made out of red pine. I did not see that coming. You didn't see that coming, I, did you? I did not see that coming at all. That that's that is a twist for the ages. <laughs> You're uh, shocked. I'm You're shocked. I'm, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Couldn't have seen it coming that the leaky barrels might have leaked out all of their containing. I I I, I I'm flabbergasted. I know it's a twist you were not expecting. None. I just want to tell you that there was 300 gallons of mystery alcohol in those nine barrels. So, yikes! If you want to imagine someone drinking that much, even that much Mad Dog, uh, you'd die. You'd just well, there die. are only 10 people on board. If you give everyone 30, 30 gallons, 30 gallons of Mad Dog, each, you would including, die. <laughs> including, including the baby, the, the baby yeah. has to drink. God, it's just not possible. I say that as someone who has tried to drink a lot of alcohol. You reach a point. <laughs> where you are unable to keep going <laughs> where your body physically cannot do it anymore yeah one would imagine wow now if they'd found a bunch of like extracted livers on the deck <laughs> yeah i mean sully flood would have would have really enjoyed that i think <laughs> he would have too so the mary celeste is sold at a loss when she gets back to new york because hello she's super haunted yeah and uh, sure. for the next few years, she continues on as a merchant ship on various tropical routes. So she goes back to that kind of East Coast, West Indies route. And then she also sails around in the Indian Ocean okay. for a while. Now, do these trips, are these trips more successful? They're not lucrative. So she has a knack for coming in late, spoiling she's cargo. She's still cursed, I guess is leaving. what I'm asking. She's so, not yes, she's killing still anyone over this over this. Okay. Little patch of time. Ugh. She's just not doing very well as a ship. Okay. Okay. Uh, she goes through a few captains. She goes through a few owners. In 1884, she's bought by a new partnership where she's loaded up and overinsured on a voyage to Port-au-Prince in Haiti. And overinsured? Overinsured. So imagine uh, like... Okay, so here comes the fraud. This actually reminded me a little bit of Timothy Dexter. Uh-huh. I can't yes. find out what was on this ship, but all I'm picturing is like feral cats and cast yep. iron yep. <laughs> warming <Yep>. pants. <laughs> Just outside the port on a clear, calm day, she hits a very large and very well-charted reef. This collision rips out her hull and she sinks immediately. Huh. Unlike her earlier mishaps, this time no one tries to salvage her. They just let her sink. They just let her sit there. Okay. All I can picture is like the captain and the crew rowing away going, well, we tried. <laughs> and that's what you will all say in court, right? <laughs> the crew escapes the wreck in a lifeboat. Nobody's hurt. And five minutes after landing on the beach, the captain is arrested and tried for insurance fraud. <laughs> in another I, shocking Another twist. shocking twist. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this okay. is actually a pretty serious uh, trial. Yeah. Because at the time, you the death penalty was on the table for people who deliberately sunk their ships. Yeah. yeah okay. It's a real, it's a real crime. He's acquitted of that part, so he's acquitted of deliberately wrecking the Mary Celeste. But the insurance okay. claim is also denied, which bankrupts everyone. Okay. 
So during her relatively short lifetime and beyond, no one has ever been able to definitively prove what happened to the people aboard Mary Celeste on her 1872 trip to Genoa. And I'm guessing, I'm guessing, obviously, because we don't know what happened, that the lifeboat with Benjamin Briggs and his family and the, the Germans never turned up anywhere, right? No, no one from that trip is ever seen again. And none of their possessions turn up either. The possessions that were missing, the compass and right, the papers that right. they had taken. So nothing is ever one, found. I mean, one would have to assume that they grabbed that stuff to try to navigate the lifeboat to somewhere sure. safe and they just never made it. Well, remember, they weren't that far from the Azores. So yeah. it's logical to think that if the ship was really in trouble for whatever reason, that could have been their kind of escape, escape pod. Yeah, but they didn't make it for whatever reason. For whatever reason, yeah. Uh, This was an exceptionally stormy winter, which saw dozens of other ships wrecked and lost. And uh, the story doesn't really stand out until 1884, Mm. Mm -hmm. when a young British fiction writer named Arthur Conan Doyle got a hold of it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He sure did. He wrote a short story about the incident called J. Habakkuk Jeffson's Statement. That Ah. is the title of the story. Yep. Uh, It describes a supposed eyewitness account where the Mary Celeste, he renamed it the Marie Celeste. Yep. Right? Copyright A.C. Doyle. TM. (laughs) (laughs) Some names have been changed to protect me. (laughs) (laughs) But just a little. (laughs) Okay. So the Marie Celeste is found in perfect order after the crew murders the captain and changes course to North Africa where pirates murder the murderers and kidnap Jay Habakkuk. Oh my god, what? Yeah, it's a wild story. He ends up like having adventures all over North Africa, and he comes back to the U.S. at the end to write his okay. account. Uh, this story was published anonymously, and to readers, it had a real nonfiction flavor. Like, um, uh, oh, like the War of the Worlds, that radio play that everyone believed? Yep. Yep. Well, that's another story we can go into another time, because most people actually didn't believe it, but... We can that, that can we could we can make that an episode. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. Kay. So it got reprinted as fact in at least a couple of newspapers. Uh yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 And the newspapers. Because why fact check? <clears throat> no, I mean it's a great story. I wouldn't fact check this at all. No, don't bother. Don't bother. So that's the reason why people sometimes call the call this incident the Marie Celeste. And yep. say that she was sailing along in perfect shape when she was found. Uh, Conan Doyle's account is full-on imaginary. He probably yeah. read the bare bones of this in a news article and ran with it. So of all the theories sure. I'm going to give you, what Jay Habakkuk says happened is the one theory we can say definitively did not happen. Did not happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, we can also say that Sully Flood's theory of a conspiracy for insurance money also probably didn't really happen because, again, yep. nobody saw any real material gain from the abandonment. And there was none of that the kind of planning that you would expect to see in place as you yeah. did, like when she was deliberately wrecked and overinsured. Uh, and his mutiny theory, which depends on drunkenness and violent characters, just doesn't seem likely. Like, this is, yeah. again, a pretty boring, respectable crew. And, again, whatever kind of alcohol they were carrying, it wasn't the kind you were drinking for fun. Drinkable. yeah. <laughs> it just, it just wasn't. 30 gallons each. <laughs> so I thought we could uh, check out some of the theories. You ready for some theories? And just to be clear, like, at the, at the outset, mm-hmm. there is no explanation for what happened, even today, right? 
We'll get to the most likely theory at the end, but okay. I want to okay. I want to start with sea monsters because I uh, enjoy because sea monsters. Because you always should start with sea monsters. Amen. Sea monsters first. Yes. Uh, so the theory is that a sea monster is such as a giant squid. I have to say, yep. I do love the image of a giant squid like parked alongside the Mary Celeste and plucking people off one by one. Yeah. It reminds me of those creature features from the 50s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what they do. Give me a little stop action animation on this. Uh, sadly, giant squids and other sea monsters are not known to behave in this way. Yeah, well, there's always that one. All it takes is one, Ella. They take the whole ship, Greg, is what they're yeah. known to do. They, they don't, grab the whole ship, they drag they it down. Well, that's why it was swamped. They just knocked it over a little bit, and then all the people fell in the water, and they're like, hey, croutons. Well, I'm going to have to move this up the list, because I think that's actually more reasonable. <clears throat> okay. Okay. Water spouts. Okay. All do you right. know what a water spout is? I do. It's a sea tornado. That's right. Uh, <laughs> they can be really powerful. They're known to have caused shipwrecks. So this is yeah. not as crazy as you might think. So in this theory, yeah. the water spout doesn't hit the ship itself, but it causes okay. a pressure drop so intense that it reverses the bilge pumps and the rising water convinces the crew that the Mary Celeste is about to sink. So they abandon ship in the lifeboat and are lost. I don't know if I would trust a lifeboat huh in a water tornado would you no i think i'd stay I on the big boat yeah yeah you kind of take your chances mm. uh next okay. we have pirates pirates okay. again not as crazy as it sounds so pirates are known sure. to be active off the coast of north africa in the mediterranean yep. sea these are the barbary pirates the corsairs yes 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 these guys are pretty fierce and pretty terrible uh yeah, you, don't, you don't want to get on their bad side you don't you don't they're very mean. They're not nice. <laughs> they say nasty things. <laughs> and they take your stuff. And they so take in this your stuff theory, without this, paying for it. Without paying for it. So mean. Uh, so in this theory, the storms blow Mary Celeste south of where she should have been. And she was attacked by pirates who kidnapped everyone or maybe just tossed them overboard before okay. they abandoned the ship. However, pirates are famously thieves. Yeah. Right? And they wouldn't have left all the barrels of the stuff sitting on the ship. Well, even if they weren't interested in the mystery alcohol, which they would have been, they probably would have <laughs> taken the food and the money and the sails and equipment and so forth, which were all still aboard when she was found. Yeah. So maybe not yeah. pirates. Maybe not. Uh, I did come across some other theories such as... Alien abduction? Alien abduction. Wow. It's like you can read my mind. There's no record of aliens... <laughs> Okay, okay. Mm, There's yes. no record, local record of aliens abducting anyone in that area um, and no UFO sightings. Okay, well, golly, that puts a hole in that theory. Mm -hmm. The Bermuda Triangle. They are actually well outside the Bermuda Triangle, so they probably did not sail through a tear in the space-time continuum. Uh, and then we have my favorite, my favorite okay. theory. Everyone died in a shark attack is the theory what the sharks leaped up onto the boat no 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 okay. everyone was okay. swimming for fun everyone was swimming in the atlantic in uh, november in a gale like you do as you do and a <laughs> shiver of sharks came upon them and ate them what? so 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 i just want to I, I, I just want to be 100 percent clear here mm -hmm. we are going with 
Everybody just decided to take a swim at the end of November in the mid-Atlantic at the same time yep. and get nommed by sharks. That's yes, the theory? Yes, that's the theory. Okay. okay. Well, okay, the theory is I see really no flaws. <laughs> I see no flaws in this. That most everybody was in the water and got eaten by sharks, and then the person who had been left on the ship fell overboard. <laughs> sure. uh, I'd like to pop a hole in this theory, as uh, reasonable as it is, because all their swimsuits yep. were still on board. Oh, well, right. then, yeah, no. Nope, and you're not it. skinny dipping Theory's in 1861. Dead. You're just not doing it. No, certainly not. not so that's a checkmate. Person. Checkmate. Yep. Shark theory. Checkmate. Checkmate shark theorists. So the most commonly accepted theory has to do with the cargo. But not in the way that Sully Flood thought. Yes. This captain had a lot of experience, but he had never been responsible for a load of alcohol. And this is, okay. you know... A lot. This is a ship ton of alcohol. They have, they have nothing else on board. This this is just like a floating alcohol <laughs> oh <my> palace. <laughs> okay. Alcohol okay. can behave a little strangely. Yes, it can. Um, it's believed that those nine red oak barrels, so those yep. 300 gallons of mystery alcohol, were leaking steadily throughout the two weeks that they were at sea. And with the bad weather, the hold was sealed up. Okay. So as alcohol leaks, it evaporates, and with the hatches closed, it couldn't vent. It's possible there were heavy fumes or even an explosion. Okay. Uh, they did an experiment at University College in London in 2006 that showed alcohol fumes can explode in a very quick, very loud, scary flash that doesn't start a fire. They actually, they actually did it um, inside paper cones, and the paper wasn't even singed. So the idea is that Either the fumes built up to the point where the crew was like, I don't think this is safe, or <laughs> they had experienced one of those explosions, which again would not catch the ship on fire and would not leave any evidence. But it would look really scary to them. Really scary, yeah. And the captain thought it would be best to like open the hatches and put everyone into the lifeboat to wait at a distance while the ship airs out. But then, okay. of course, the rope breaks before they could climb back on board. Uh, to me, this is way more oh, horrible God. than the sharks or the yeah. pirates or yeah. our other theories. Uh, just yeah. imagine being on an overloaded lifeboat in the middle of the ocean in bad weather with your toddler. Yeah, just watching your ship float away. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. No, not okay. Not okay. Don't love uh, it. That that does seem to be the most likely one, but uh So it's yeah, it's just really a tragedy and it's impossible to say what really happened. That's the story. Okay. That's the All unsolved right. mystery of the Mary Celeste. Well, I, I certainly like it a lot better than the uh the unhappened mystery of the Marie Celeste, so <laughs> You've gotta read it. It's such a wild story. The whole thing that, that I know of that comes from that is this mm -hmm. image of the ship being in, just, like, floating along in the water with everything being in pristine condition and, like, dinner out on the tables and everyone had just vanished. Coffee was still warm in a cup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's not, that's not what happened. Like, the ship was waterlogged and, like, foundering and alien abduction. Alien abduction. That's all. That's all. I think it aliens. I think here's what here's what happened. All right, you mm -hmm. ready? So Absolutely. there was there was a huge water spout kicked up by the kraken arising from the deep, who grabbed the ship, and a crew of friendly aliens passing over were like, "These guys seem like they're in a lot of trouble. Let's let's beam them up 
Mm -hmm. So they're safe. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the Kraken is like, well, if there's nobody on board, I'm not going to eat a sandwich of just bread. And, you know, lets the ship go, but it gets some water on it. You know, the barrels spill. Maybe it gets a little, you know, a, a little tipsy off the alcohol fumes. Oh, absolutely. And decides yeah. to go back down. And so everybody is perfectly fine. They're just hanging out on a, on an alien spaceship. That's it. I think sure. that, that, I think that's the winner right there. I think that's what, I think that's what actually happened. Well, that's a wild story. Um, thank you. And, uh, I especially like the fact that we don't know what happened. Yeah, it's a real open ended one. Yeah. Sleep um, tight. <laughs> But I do recommend some of those more modern articles uh, that I'm going to list in the show notes because people really yeah. are still interested in what happened. And there are all kinds of like interesting forensic things that we can do now that we could not do before. So, yes, I don't think anyone's ever going to figure this out, but it is interesting to have additional information. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right. Although we gave you slightly exaggerated credentials at the top of the show, we do fact-check our stories in an effort to give you the best disaster experience possible. If you'd like to read more about our sources, a complete bibliography is available in our show notes. If we got anything wrong, please let us know. You can do that by emailing us at relative.disasters at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to shame us publicly, and you do, why not use our Instagram <laughs> at relative.disasters. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Relative Disasters. We hope you've enjoyed the story and the discussion, and please join us next time for another strange, dangerous, and interesting event from history. My brother has selected our next disaster. Uh, what's it going to be, Greg? <laughs> I'm afraid. Well, Ella, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a little riddle here. Okay. <clears throat> what do you get when you cross a plane crash, a failed parachute, a bear and a duffel bag full of cocaine. I don't think we should do this story. It's too scary. <laughs> you get our next episode, which is all about the amazing story of the Kentucky cocaine bear, um, which for a good four or five minutes was probably the most terrifying <laughs> apex predator on the planet. Um, strap in, folks. It's going to be a wild one. <laughs> I have such a fear of bears. This is going to be a good one for you. This is going to be a little immersion therapy. Can we do this next one in the morning so I don't if have to think about it bears, right before? If you're afraid of bears, what about a bear on bed? cocaine? No. <laughs> All right. Greg, that sounds like a great episode, and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners will enjoy it very much, even if I don't. <laughs> Can't wait. Can't wait. Could be fun. All right.